Well, today we are continuing in our series, Jesus the Game Changer, and Pastor Jody is going to be coming to share with us in just a moment. Before she comes, another great story from this week was um, a news story that was covered by a current affair on Monday night, featuring the work of Samaritan's Purse in the epicenter of the coronavirus in Italy, in Cremona there. And it featured the story of four um, Australian nurses who went there to serve and to bless others. And one of those nurses was Liz Perry, Sandra Perry, daughter from Sandra from our own church here and uh, we actually had an opportunity Liz returned from Italy on Tuesday night she's in quarantine uh, in Sydney at the moment but um, her story on a current affair and the other nurses was powerful powerful testimony great opportunity to reach out to others as well and we had an opportunity to actually interview Liz um, on Zoom this week as a bit of an introduction to the sermon a little Mother's Day feature today as well so we're going to turn to this clip before Pastor Jody comes and this is an interview that that just took place this week with Liz down in Sydney. Check this out together. Heroes run towards danger and healthcare workers have been proving that every day. World like this remarkable bunch of Australian nurses. They left their families almost a month ago to work night shift inside a busy tent hospital in northern Italy. Here's Dan Nolan's exclusive report. It's challenging, it's uh, amazing, it's confronting. The care that we're able to give these people um, is a real privilege. It's tough, Yaka, but we're here for the cause. They're in a fight against this virus. They're fighting with their lives. We just get on with it. No matter how tough it is, we support each other. It's an incredible thing to be a part of. We want to be the people that run towards a disaster. Well, Liz, welcome home to Australia. It's so good to have you back. And uh, yeah, we are really glad that you could share with us today for our special Mother's Day service. Yes. It's so good to be home, Nathan. And thank you for the welcome back. And just hi to everyone at Bridgman Downs Church. You guys have been awesome. And um, I think Australia's done a really good job. I'm so proud of the country as I come back. So. That's so good. Well, on behalf of us as a church, Liz, we want to say thank you. Thank you for your example. Thank you for the way you've reflected Jesus' heart, just to love others, sacrificially, self-giving way. And I know you've blessed many and been an inspiration to many. So we just want to say thank you. Uh, And today is Mother's Day. In a moment, we're going to hear about how your mum has had an impact on your life. And she's a pretty amazing woman as well. But before we get into that, tell me what prompted you to head to this epicentre of the coronavirus crisis there in Italy and Cremona. What what was it that prompted you to do that? Um, I think, Nathan, for me, um, the spirit of Joshua and Caleb always speaks to me. Um, Caleb said to the Israelites, uh, let's go up and possess the land. And, of course, that was a different context. But going up, so let us go up, speaks to me of a spirit of um, action and boldness and um, proactivity and stepping out into the unknown to accomplish God's will. So I think for me that spirit of faith and courage and initiative as well has always been an inspiration to me. Um, I think I remember as a child, I'd never take risks. I was, I was quite a fearful child, but as I developed my walk with God, um, I, I realised that he placed this sense of um, courage and boldness and a sense of um, adventure to go out and head into the unknown, both in my job as a paramedic here in Australia 
and then going into disaster zones. So I actually thrive on it and I love going into that. Um, and I think with him, I was able to go over there and, and come face to face with, with seeing um, the amount of death that was um, prevalent in Italy. Um, I didn't go without considering the risks and um, it was hard. I, I, I didn't know whether I was going to be able to return to Australia after the deployment. So there was unknown. So would they even let me back in Australia? Would there be any flights? Would I be able to leave Italy? But um, I think um, with God, you, there is there is a kind of a stepping out into the unknown and into faith um, after you've evaluated all the risks and the consequences. Um, I remember being on the plane, so stepping on the plane from Rome into Milan. So that was the epicentre was right near Milan. And I looked around, it was a 500-seater plane and we were the only people on it. <laughs> And I remember thinking, am I insane? <laughs> um, but, wow. yeah, what, what I've learned is that uh, when we step out with God, he's yeah. always there at the other end with open yeah. arms. He was there the whole time. And, um, yeah, he, he enables us. So. Wow. That's awesome, yeah. Liz. Um, there's no doubt you were faced with some pretty incredibly challenging circumstances, working 40-hour shifts throughout the night, very cold conditions, patients um, that you were caring for passing away. It must have been exhausting physically, emotionally, spiritually. How did you experience God's strength and presence during that time? Yeah, so um, as you said, I was designated, designated the night shift um, and they were about 14 hours long and the nights were very dark. So I would look up during the shift almost instinctively looking for the sun <laughs> and you just look up seeking some light and some warmth on your skin and you feel nothing. Um, and I think the lack of sunlight and so the patients would die a lot in the night and um, suffer a lot. And that for me was a dark experience, but I, I learned that God, um, he's in the darkness as well. And it says in Psalm 139 that um, even the darkness um, will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day for the darkness is as light to you. And it was in those nights, it was very quiet in the night shift. There was no noise, no traffic. Um, but I slowly became aware um, of God's presence during that, that time in the night shifts and, and that he was actually working behind the scenes. And um, his presence became so real during those dark nights that I started to kind of long for that time where I could um, sense him in a new way. Um, and I just want to encourage the people back home that if there's, if you're going through darkness, um, don't be afraid of that darkness because he's in there, he's working behind the scenes and, and not to fear that time. I know it's hard, but he's there as much as he is in the daytime, in the mm. happy times and mm. in the light. So. Wow. Thanks, Liz. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. And now for your mum. Your mum's a pretty amazing person, um, works in the prisons there in Cambodia, shine the light and love of Jesus, the hope of the message of the gospel. How has she had an impact on, on your life? Um, well, I think, as I said earlier, she's passed on that spirit of adventure and courage to me. Nathan, um, I've been over to Cambodia many times with her, but last year I went with her again into the prison and I was standing in the middle of the prison and I looked around at these Cambodian boys and they'd 
they push their hands through the bars, they're reaching out to, to try to touch her as she walked past and their faces are pressed up against the bars. They're looking at her in desperation and hope. And I realised that oh, I want to be like that. And her name means uh, helper of mankind. And I, yeah. I realised I want to have that same heart, that same spirit to to reach out to the desperate and the sick and the needy. And um a scripture that really spoke to me over in Italy um, was that our mandate is to be like Christ who who made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, um, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. And I, I, I think my mum has poured out her life for others and I, I, I want to be like that. And I just encourage um, the people of Bridgman Downs that um, when you pour out your life into other people, um, God always comes back uh, and fills us with joy and strength. Um, he never leaves us empty. Um, it's not an easy road. It was very difficult over in Italy, but um, know that God is faithful when you pour out your lives mm. for others. So. Well, Liz, thank <laughs> you. That is, no, truly, that's just fantastic and so encouraging. And yeah. so we just want to say, again, thanks for sharing with us today. We want to assure you we're praying for you there in quarantine down in Sydney. Thank you. Yeah. Can't wait for you to get back up, up this way. And we look forward yeah. to sharing again sometime in the near future as well. But um, God bless yeah. you. And thanks so much for sharing with Thank us today. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you. Sorry. See you guys. Well, happy Mother's Day. I just wanted to add my welcome to your Mother's Day this morning. If you're a mum, if, you if you have a mum, um, this is a day to celebrate and remember and make our mums feel special. For the mums joining us here today, um, I am aware of the challenge of this season that you are in, especially if you have little ones at home and you are homeschooling. I came across this journal entry written by eight-year-old Ben for you to um, share this morning. Maybe you can relate. The heading says, Homed School. It is not going good. My mum's getting stressed out. My mum is really getting confused. We took a break so my mum can figure this stuff out. And I'm telling you, it is not going good. Um, maybe you can relate to the anxiety and stress of homeschooling at the moment. Um, hopefully things worked out for Ben's mum and they got easier. If you are still in the middle of this, if you are feeling like Ben this morning, just maybe your mum needs an extra big hug today on Mother's Day. Um, these are challenging times, aren't they? Maybe you can relate to the homeschooling. Maybe you can't be with family today because of COVID-19. Maybe you are worried and stressed about vulnerable family members to protect changes to work and incomes and life in general, the stress and uncertainty of what the future holds as our freedoms are determined by the new number of COVID cases and a curve on a graph. It was so great to hear from Liz this morning. And as I watched that report on a current affair of those Australian nurses serving in the Samaritan's Purse Emergency Response Unit, I just hearing what they were facing each day was unimaginable for me. What would it be like to work in an ICU tent treating COVID-positive patients who are fighting for their life? 
these brave women described, described emotions of exhaustion and being overwhelmed, despairing of those who didn't recover. And yet there was a determination in the spirit, a faith that they spoke of that lifted them above the fear and the potential dangers they were facing. And there was a moment in this report, if you saw it, you would have noticed it, where all the staff stopped and stood and clapped and rejoiced as one of the patients walked out of the COVID tent free of the life-threatening disease. A moment of joy, a pause for celebration by everyone present. Have you noticed how much joy stands out from what is overwhelming and heavy in our world at the moment. It's like breathing in hope. Something deep in us longs for it, resonates with it. Something good is still happening in the midst of all that isn't. Joy is hard to find and describe. It goes deeper than something funny or entertaining and probably we are more familiar with the emotion of happiness, but happiness is often based in circumstances. It's a feeling that is as fleeting as the next feeling that rolls in. Joy, I think most of us would say, goes deeper than that. Joy is something that touches us deep in our hearts, even our soul. In her book, Dare to Lead, social researcher and writer Brené Brown says, joy is the most vulnerable emotion we feel. And that's saying something coming from someone who studies fear and shame. She says, when we feel joy, it is a place of incredible vulnerability. C.S. Lewis, well known for the Chronicles of Narnia series, wrote a biography of his spiritual journey called Surprised by Joy. It was moments of joy in his experience of life which he couldn't make sense of. As an atheist, holding to a belief of rational materialism, in this worldview there was no logic or reason to make sense of joy and it nagged at him. Nothing, nothing he understood could explain it. It seemed so otherworldly to him and it annoyed him because he wasn't prepared to admit there was another world which held spiritual truth. In his reluctant surrender to belief in God and eventually to relationship in Jesus, he finally had a framework for understanding joy. Later in his life, Lewis wrote that the joy we experience while we are here on earth is a taste of what is to come. In heaven. And it was a verse on joy that God gave me to share with you today. It's from the book of Nehemiah, chapter 8, verse 10. Maybe it's very familiar to you. It says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I was a little surprised when God gave me this verse. Can we talk about, a, about joy in the season that we're in? If we go to Nehemiah, I, I guess we should start with a bit of the context for what is happening here. The Old Testament takes us on a journey of God and his relationship with his people. He calls his own, his chosen ones, his treasured possession. And yet they wandered far away from him. 
They might have been living in his city and even going to his temple, but their hearts were not for God. Prophet after prophet had been sent to warn them, urging them to come back, to turn their hearts to God again. But they were stubborn and ignored the warning signs and eventually they were overtaken by the powerful empire of Babylon in 586 BC. Jerusalem and even the temple of God was decimated as God's people were taken into captivity, a picture of where their hearts actually had long been. But even as the prophets were giving their warnings, they were also foretelling of a time of restoration, a promise that God would restore his people and they would return to their land and to him. And true to his word, 70 years after captivity, God acted on behalf of the people again and set circumstances in place to bring the captives home. Ezra led the first group of exiles and and here we are in Nehemiah 13 years later and he hears about the challenges of rebuilding the city. God opens a way for Nehemiah to return and Straight away he goes to action, rebuilding the city walls, uniting the people, families coming, or everyone coming together. And the walls of Jerusalem were, Jerusalem were rebuilt in just 52 days. And immediately following the rebuilding of these walls, we find ourselves here in chapter 8. The people are all gathered together, men, women, and very likely children as well. They came together at a part of the wall called the water gate and Ezra the priest started reading the book of the law, the word of God. And as the word was read, Ezra's helpers started moving through the crowd and helping people make sense of what they were hearing. And as this was happening, people's hearts were being moved and stirred by what they heard and understood There was this incredible response from all the people together as they answered amen and lifted their hands in worship and bowed their heads and hearts. Doesn't that picture of worship just make you miss being all together this morning? I cannot wait until we can meet here all together again. But as the people were gathered and so impacted by what they heard, their worship actually turned into grief and sadness as they realised the extent of their sin and how far away from God it took them. By this stage, all the people were weeping and Nehemiah and the other leaders said to the people in verse 9, do not mourn or weep. I've never actually found it very helpful for people to say don't cry when the floodgate of tears have opened. But this is exactly what Nehemiah was doing. It puzzled me. In verse 10, Nehemiah says to them, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Nehemiah speaks over these people and he says this is not a time for tears. For the joy of the Lord is here. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, as I sat in this passage this week, I realized that this picture reveals something incredible about God's heart to us. Let me start by saying that God is not against crying 
Psalm 56, 8 says, Our tears are precious to him. And there are seasons in life for mourning. And God totally gets that. But the tears here, the weeping here was grief expressed by the people at the realization of their sin. On our journey to faith, repentance is an important step of us recognizing our need of a savior. Our sin takes us in the completely opposite direction of God. And in moments of repentance, we become aware of that, open to the reality of our helpless state. We realize that we can't save ourselves no matter how hard we try. We can spend a lot of time digging our heels in and justifying our actions and making excuses before God for why we hang on to our sin and do what we do. But when repentance comes, those excuses and justifications seem so petty. Our pride melts away and we are humbled before God. Our sin seems pretty pathetic in the light of his righteousness. There is a mourning and a grieving in repentance of of being away from God in our sin. But I think this passage tells us here that we're not meant to stay in that place of mourning and grieving. When we come to repentance, we have received forgiveness. You know, we would totally understand, wouldn't we, if God's reaction to this people was to cross his arms and turn his back and say, no, that's it, I'm done, I'm never taking you back. You know, even when someone wrongs us and they come back and say sorry, we kind of really want to make them wallow in that sorry sometimes, don't we? We kind of want them to know how much hurt and pain that we've been caused. Simply forgiving doesn't feel like justice to us. And we carry that over to God. I think the more we grieve and feel sorry and wallow over our sin, we're trying to prove something to God about our worthiness of forgiveness. And we can get stuck there. The more we think about our sin, the more we get stuck in guilt and shame and self-pity and self-criticism and condemnation. And that is a downward spiral just as bad as sin takes us. But that is not the heart of God. He is full of compassion and grace. Even in his judgment, he is still full of mercy. Psalm 30 verse 5 says his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. There are tears in the night, but joy comes in the morning. As soon as we realize sin, as soon as we turn back to God, he forgives. And in his forgiveness, relationship is fully restored. It is not partly restored until we prove ourselves. It's full forgiveness, full acceptance, full grace. God made a way to deal with our sin problem. Jesus dealt with it once and for all. He paid everything that needed to be paid to make that relationship with God open to us. Back in Nehemiah's time, as the people were reading God's word, this day of atonement was a picture of what Jesus would one day come and do. 
God giving his son as the perfect and complete sacrifice for sin for all time. Jesus paid everything that needed to be paid. And our sin is forgiven the moment we turn back to our father. The prodigal son is a picture of this reality. The son, away from the father, realises that he has chosen a way that is not the way he's meant to live. And when he decides to come home, he never expects to be welcomed as a son. He thinks the best that he could long for in turning back to his father was to be a slave, a servant, maybe earning and working for his right to the blessings in his father's house. But the father is waiting The son can barely get sorry out of his mouth and the father's arms are around him. No sooner than that, there is a robe and a ring placed on him showing that he's still a son. And then the father calls a feast to celebrate. My son has come home. That is the heart of God. Sin is done. The power of it is broken. We aren't earning our way back into relationship with God by being sorry about the past and punishing ourselves on God's behalf by holding on to it. We are children who step back into the arms of our Father who's been waiting patiently for us to come home to enter into again the blessings and the the assurance, the acceptance and the love that is found in our Father's arms. You know, for the people weeping before Nehemiah, their anguish over sin and time away from God's presence is done. Here they are now, back with him again, in his word, restored as his people. You know, over the previous 52 days, I'd have had a taste of um, rebuilding the wall, which represented this restoration and hope they'd been longing for. But much more than rebuilding a wall, Nehemiah knew God's plan was for each and every heart to be restored in relationship to him. You know, Nehemiah's name actually means God is compassionate. And if God feels distant to you today, he's calling you to come back. The time for weeping is over. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You know, joy, gladness and rejoicing are possible because of what Jesus has done in restoring us in relationship to our Father. Nothing can change it. No one can take it away. You know, in the Hebrew language, the word used here for joy is actually derived from a word that also means to be joined. And I love this thought because Jesus picks up on it as he speaks of our joy being complete in him as we remain in him and live in him. Joy has this sense of overflow and abundance about it, doesn't it? Like it can't be contained. And as we stay connected in this relationship with Jesus, it's his joy that flows over to us. Even in the midst of circumstances and events around us that are anything but joyful, 
when we stay connected to our Father, nothing can take away the joy of doing life in Him. And God didn't just make this relationship with Him possible so we could experience joy. He actually experiences joy too. God delights in you. He doesn't roll his eyes when he puts his arms around you and say, oh, here we go again. I wonder how long it'll last this time. Absolutely not. Zephaniah 3.17 says, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. God thinks you are awesome. When I think of exultant loud singing, I think of the gusto of an AFL team proudly belting out their song, their team song after a footy win. That's the kind of joy I think God has here for you. God is not mad with you. He is mad about you. He rejoices over you as you do life in him. And this joy is our strength. The word strength here means a fortified place, a strong defense. You know, the people had just finished building this wall around their city and I wonder if the wall gave them a sense of security and safety from the trouble and threats outside of the city now that it was complete. And I wonder if we too can feel safe and secure in the hard work or the good efforts or the decisions that we make. Nehemiah wants these people to know just as he wants us to know through God's word today, that our security is never found in bricks and mortar. Our security is not in the money in the bank. It's not in the best job you could ever have. You know, in this pandemic affecting the whole world, it reminds us who can say with any certainty that they are secure in life at the moment. God's word for us today is that the only thing that can fortify us, the, the thing that we can be sure of to hold us strong and firm is him. And he gives us joy as his strength fills us. It's our solid foundation, our rock and best defense against whatever comes our way in life. The mercy and compassion and love of our Father is our security as those arms are around us and we do life in Him. He is our safety net. No amount of planning or preparing or working for your future can compare to the future that God has for you in Him. Joined with Jesus, we are filled with His strength. Strength that says when we're weak, He is strong. Strength that says when we are at the end of our rope, he does his best work. Strength that carries us through uncertainty and fear. This verse became very real to me in the journey of my dad passing away from motor neurone disease three years ago now. And the emotion of that time has come back to me over these weeks. I think watching the world experience such grief and loss of loved ones through this virus. That heartache for me has been there again. This verse, the joy of the Lord is my strength, was my dad's verse. You know, in his life, whenever tough times came at work or with family, he would quote this verse and 
And perhaps to me, it just seemed like words, but to him, that joy in Jesus to get him through anything was a reality in his life. They were words that would easily roll off his tongue, but it was evident that it was deeply rooted in his soul. As the disease of motor neuron took hold of my dad, it literally took away his strength. Motor neurons gradually and progressively make the muscles stop working and strength disappears. And I remember a day sitting next to my dad who could no longer talk or even walk at this stage. He managed to still communicate through an iPad with one hand that he could still type with. And I remember this day I asked him, Dad, are you okay? How are you dealing with this? Where is God in this? I really wanted to know how he was feeling because I wasn't doing so well. He took a few minutes to respond as he did his one finger typing on the iPad. And as he finished, he pushed it towards me to see his words. And they were just these. The joy of the Lord is my strength. We actually hung that verse on a wall in his room and he would point to it often every time we asked how he was doing. It was all the strength he had. And that joy of the Lord was everything he needed and held on to right until the end. And I know in my heart that it was only the end that we could see. And just imagine if C.S. Lewis is right when he says the joy we experience here is just a taste of the joy that awaits us in eternity with Jesus. You know, in this passage, I was surprised almost that the people gathered near the water gate for this spiritual awakening to take place. You know, I thought, why aren't they in the temple? Why aren't they in the house of God when this happens? And, and I realized as I looked into it that the water gate represented a place where everyday ordinary activity takes place. It's a part of everyday normal life. And as people continued in this joy in their everyday normal life, as they came to that water gate to get their water for the day, they could remember what happened, what God spoke, what God revealed of his heart for them. They could remember again that forgiveness and grace found in God, the strength and joy that is in doing life with him, the extraordinary, intersecting the ordinary. You know, it happens when nurses are on the front line in a COVID response unit. It happens for mums at home juggling school and work. This truth is not just for special occasions. It's meant to be lived out in our everyday. You know, I think God met them here at the water gate, which actually had this fresh spring, this freshwater spring that God used, provided in this city to sustain life for his people. And it's such a beautiful picture of what Jesus provides to us, living water living water that brings life and joy to our souls. It's refreshing and replenishing. 
It is blessing found in him and it springs up and bubbles over and pours out. And the joy and blessing and love, which is God's heart, is given not only to us, but to all those around us, that they too would know and experience a taste of heaven in knowing that joy. To share the joy with you today, Yolandi, one of our amazing creative young adults here at Bridgie, has kindly created a colouring in um, of the joy of the Lord is your strength. So download from our Facebook page for you to cover. That's the Bridgie Facebook page. Maybe kids, um, you could download it and do a really beautiful colouring in for mum. Um, mums, maybe you'd like to have some adult colouring in time or anyone who would like to colour in is welcome to do that. And as you do, reflect on the verse and the joy that is found in Jesus and the strength that he has to carry you in this day and in the days ahead. Maybe keep it somewhere where you'll see it as you go about your everyday life and remember in each moment that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's pray. God, I thank you that we can meet together today come before your word know that you're you're revealing your heart of love to each one of us God thank you for your forgiveness poured out thank you for making relationship possible again as we turn to you as we're found in your arms Lord we praise you and thank you for the joy that you have poured out for each one of us to know, Lord, to know you, to know strength in you in this day. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. It was really on my heart today to finish the service in joy. So maybe this morning, um, as you've been watching in your lounge room, you haven't yet danced with the worship team or sung really loudly. Um, it would be great if you could bring everyone back, um, dance together, sing with joy, maybe shout for joy as we join the band and worship God. Thank you. Well, praise God for His Word to us. And I just want to say to you this morning as well, if you've been tuning in and listening and you're thinking to yourself, well, I want to know that same strength in my own life. I want to know that peace in my own life. You can know that yourself through a relationship with Jesus. You too can say the joy of the Lord is my strength. And so if you'd like to respond in that way this morning, you can do that by simply clicking on the Respond to Jesus link on whatever platform you're watching on. You can do that this morning. Take that step of faith, a step towards knowing God personally in your own life. So I really want to encourage you to do that today if God's been speaking to you. And we'd love to encourage you, send some information to help you and to pray for you as well. But that concludes our service. I'm going to pray, ask God just to bless each and every one as we finish our time together. Let me pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this word of encouragement, the word to strengthen us today, particularly in this series that we're in at the moment, Lord, this season that we're in, in in our world at this moment as well, Lord. And so we pray, Lord, I pray right now that each and every person tuning in, they'll know Your blessing, they'll know Your love, Your comfort. Um, with them, we pray. And Lord, for any today who are just wanting to respond to You, Lord, I pray that You will give them the courage just to respond. Take that step towards You, Lord Jesus, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us this morning. Don't forget our service tonight at 6 p.m. as well. You'd be so welcome to join us again, but God bless you. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.
Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we want to help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.